What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. So many of the years that I was shooting, I was, just felt like a rat on a wheel, just like hustling because I was the breadwinner in my family and so I just couldn't stop and that I think for a lot of us causes anxiety and burnout and a guest on our podcast she said you know we all need to know our enough number because when you know how much you have to have what's enough that gives you so much peace of mind Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will get you real results. Because let's face it, Having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is the place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited to dive into today's conversation with Jenny Kruger, Allison Craig, Kim Box, the creators of the Motherhood Anthology. It's an online educational platform for motherhood portrait artists. Together, the TMA team brings to the table decades of photography experience, business ownership, and entrepreneurial endeavors. TMA offers a free community filled with over 5,000 supportive, inclusive, warm, real, and generous community members who believe not in the gatekeeping of best practices, but in the arm linking and collaboration of fellow artists. Their Instagram and Facebook page boasts over 20,000 followers. Additionally, their podcast titled The Motherhood Anthology Podcast currently ranks in the top three of podcasts globally with a listen score of 34 and over 10,000 downloads in its short six months of life. I have been following these ladies for years and Jenny's actually taught with us at the Milky Way before. So I am super excited to dive into today's conversation with them. So without further ado, welcome ladies. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I would <laughs> love to know how you all found each other and really how the Motherhood Anthology came to be. And we'll start with you, Kim. Oh, I'll say that Jenny's the OG. Is that what the young folks say? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no, she's the founder. She's the one that started it all. I think we were, Allison and I both were just big fans of Jenny and her work. And for me, um, Jenny was hosting a retreat at the beach and I had been in photography for, gosh, I'm the oldie here, but I'd been in photography for 15 years and wanted to meet Jenny. And so I came to the retreat and like I said, I'd been in photography for a while. And so I was kind of diversifying a little bit and was interested in this whole wave of memberships and courses. And Jenny and Allison at that point had a Facebook group online with lots of followers. And as we got to know each other, we just started talking about this idea of, of putting this community together. And it's been really great. I love that. So Jenny, I want to hear, how did you come up with the idea for the Motherhood Anthology? So I think for a while, I had been teaching for a bit, like you said, with Milky Way, with Clickin' Moms, on my own, all sorts of places. And I kind of like had this group of photographers that we were doing similar things and talking about similar things. And we just kind of formed that Facebook community that we still have today, that free community. And then Kim came on and we added the membership and whatnot. Allison likes to say that when she found me before that, she made me be her friend. <laughs> I love that. So, that's, we might, well, I'll let her tell that story, but she basically forced me to be her friend and it worked out okay. I love <laughs> that. I love it. So Allison, that's to you. I want to hear, I want to hear how you got involved here. So I, I was at a point in my career where I really wanted to give an experience to my clients. And I remember I was Googling Tornage prints because I love the way that they looked. And I stumbled across an image that Jenny had posted. And so I reached out and I was like, hey, would you tell me where you, like what lab you ordered these from? And she was super kind. She wrote back and told me. And then I was like going through her website and saw that she offered mentoring. And so I wrote her back and like chastised her for giving away that information for free. (laughs) And was like, why didn't you charge me and like tell me that you did mentoring? And so I drained my bank account then because, of course, I had not, I didn't even know what a cost of doing business was. I was not profitable. It was horrible. I was a mess, (laughs) but I knew I wanted to do better. So I drained my bank account. I think at that point, Jenny, you were like doing an online magazine or like an online PDF booklet, maybe. I think so. I think it was like an online book of like just everything that I knew and did and then a private group. Yes. So I literally consumed that entire thing in one night and changed immediately. And Jenny and I are complete opposites. So it's a good balance. And yes, I did make her be my friend. So I love that so much. And so we're recording, actually, we're recording from all different locations. So you've created this enterprise and this business from all different areas. So where are you all located? And do you get together very often? So my studio is in Houston, Texas, but I live Mm -hmm. in Asheville, North Carolina. So I, a year and a half ago, moved my family to Asheville and then I commute monthly And yes, actually mine and Jenny's kids are best friends. And so we're getting together next month because our kids are forcing us to. (laughs) If we go more than like six months without the kids seeing each other, we like have to plan something. So, (laughs) and then we do get together. We try to get together the three of us or the TMA team to kind of like do 
planning. It's been hard the past couple yeah. of years, obviously, but um, absolutely, we definitely like try to all meet up and do some planning and do some stuff and whatnot. We need that right now. We do. We really do, actually. <laughs> it's true. Well, what, I don't know. I've, I'm sure I've shared this on the podcast before, but with the Milky Way, I have a business partner, Aaron, and we've been together for, oh gosh, 13 years. Like, And wow. it's just incredible. Like When you have a running mate in your business, it is so much easier not only to like get things done, but to stay accountable. Mm-hmm. Like When you are a solopreneur, as you know, like in probably in all of your photography businesses, you're like, I get this done a lot quicker than I do because everyone's waiting for me and I don't want to be the bottleneck. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think for the three of us, I think we we all bring something kind of different to the table and that makes for a good partnership too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I would love to hear about the strengths and what you do bring to each other. Like I said, I'm more behind the scenes. Like I am yeah. in our community and not as active I also own um, Indie Print Co. and Indie Film Lab with a different business partner. And so I still occasionally shoot, but not as much anymore. And so I'm more behind the scenes with the podcast and, um, like I said, the membership, the back end of the membership. But Jenny and Allison are so, so, so involved daily in our community. That's kind of my piece of the pie. We like to say that Kim is like the thinker upper. So Kim will like be like, hey, what about this idea? What about this idea? And Allison and I will either yay or nay it and then like put yeah. it into motion. So Allison and I, I think we're similar in that when we have an idea and we know that we want to do it, it gets done like yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah. I love like, it. So she's, yeah. she's like, she like takes it and runs with it. You're like she's the, she's the implementer. We yes. both are. Yes. Love yes. yes, we are. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk, I want to dive into a conversation about brand as a business and how to really create a business brand that aligns with who you are. Because I think so many of us just get stuck in our branding and how we've set it up at the beginning and we may not be in love with it still. So what's your advice on that? Yeah, I think when you first, at least in my experience, when like you're first starting out with your photography business, you see all these other things that people are doing. You're like, that's successful, that's successful. And you like pull from that, but you never like take the time to really dig in deep to like what is authentic to you and like what you want to represent and what's different. And I think that step is missed so much. And when you can either go back and do it or do it from the beginning, you set your business up to be like just different enough from everybody else's. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the time that people really struggle with keeping it cohesive where it's like the same font or like the same colors. So what advice do you have when they are just kind of grabbing everything and how to just keep things on brand? We will take people through like exercises where if you just look at, grab a few pictures that that they've taken that they absolutely love and figure out like what you love about that. And so that might be certain colors that like happen to be in the same pictures from same sessions. Maybe that's like authentic to you and like what you really like, but so often, whether it's colors or fonts or it's products that you're offering, people try to just offer everything or show everything. And clients really don't realize that that might be like what's deterring them or what makes them love a photographer, but it is. And so if you can really just simplify and Mm -hmm. focus on like, two to three colors and one or two fonts, it's going to make your 
brand so much more impactful and the clients, they might not even realize that like, that's why they love you, but they're going to love you more because it's not Mm -hmm. overwhelming to them. Totally. You know what it kind of reminds me of is like, I love shopping. Like I love shopping, Mm -hmm. but I also love the idea of a capsule wardrobe. Mm-hmm. because when you have too many, like what happens is I have this closet full of these amazing clothes that I love, but yet I will wear yoga pants every day because I get so confused and overwhelmed with what to put on. So I think it's like creating a capsule wardrobe for your business brand of like, these are the things that go together and these are the things that I only use. And consistently mm-hmm. like using them over and over right? again. Cause like it's, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. I love shopping too. And I will continually <laughs> buy like the same things over and over again. I'm like, well, I need it from this brand and I need it from this brand. And like, I don't have enough like black linen pants for the summer. So like I need 10 more pairs, but you're still buying the same thing because like that is what you love and what you like. And so knowing those things for your business and continuing to repeat them over and over again really builds that like brand recognition for your clients. Totally. Are you like me and we'll get like the same thing in like all the colors? Only black and white and brown. (laughs) But I will buy like There's two- <laughs> 20 different white shirts that are cut the same. Yeah. But they're all the same, yeah. really. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Same. I love that. So let's talk in a little bit about money. And I know this is a point where many of us really want to dive our head into the sand. So can you share why it's so imperative to know your cost of doing business? Oh, man. This is like what me and Jenny preach about in the group. We talk constantly about cost of doing business and how if you do not know your numbers, like whether you've been in business for a year or for 10 years, you have to have an idea of that. Otherwise, you could just be operating in the red and be oblivious to it. So anytime that someone joins our group and asks, what's the first thing we do? We always say, have you run your numbers? Because you have to know. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper because a lot of listeners and a lot of new beginning photographers don't even know what running your numbers means. Mm -hmm. So can you dive a little deeper on what to include in running your numbers? Yes. So we have a worksheet that we've created, but really you can Google like a cost of doing business worksheet, and it's just going to take into account your expenses, which you need to include every single expense and really overestimate. And we always tell people, while you can think in the now, you really should think like three years ahead so that you're not having to constantly just raise your prices again and again. So include your expenses and you're going to include a salary for yourself so you could actually pay yourself. And then you're going to factor in from that, like, do you want to include a session fee? You're going to include how many sessions you want to shoot a year And then it's going to sort of work backwards and tell you what you need to charge per session in order to be profitable. So bottom line is you need to factor in all of your working expenses and how much you want to work and that you actually need to pay yourself because I did not pay myself for a very long time. And there is no point in working if you're not making money. You wouldn't do that at any other job. So you shouldn't do it if you're self-employed. No. And I think learning how to stick to a budget is such like a hard lesson. Like I really had to learn that one the hard way and not just spending everything on the client closet because 
I wanted to. Yeah. There's so many shiny things Jenny. that we can buy. Yes. That's me. But thankfully I, I still include it all in my cost of doing business. So I'm accounting yeah. for it, but it's not cheap. But there's so many things you can buy. And every time you buy something, you really have to ask yourself, like, is this thing going to make me more money? Is my business going to go further because of it and benefit? Are my clients going to even notice if I do this? And really take into account those expenses. And if you're already like super low price, try to cut some of those expenses. You know, there's only a few ways that you can make more money. And that's, you know, lower your costs and expenses, Mm -hmm. raise your rates, or work more. And there's only so much work we can do or should have to do. Yeah. You shouldn't have to do even five, six, 10 sessions a week to make no. a reasonable salary at all. So no, no, it's, it's really hard. It's hard to watch a lot in, in the communities too, because you see all these new photographers coming in. And of course, there's so many mixed messages in the industry of like, well, you're not ready to charge yet. So don't take anybody's money, but you can't, you have to charge something because you're undercutting the industry. So they get so confused about what to even do. Gosh, like to, to be like someone who is just starting out, it's hard. It's hard for them because like, what do you do? Yeah. But beyond crunching your numbers. And and when we first started, there really wasn't a whole lot of information beyond, I think, like easy as pie. Do you remember that back in the day? (laughs) Yes. Right? Yes. Beyond easy as pie. And then that was setting us up for in-person sales. And not everybody wants to do in-person sales because there's so many different ways to run a business. Exactly. So I just think it's so fascinating. And even like when you see in groups, there's so much hive mind, like they're trying to outsource their thinking and and say, okay, well, what do you guys think I should charge for additional files? Right. And you're like, well, <laughs> you got to crunch your numbers, right? right? Like what I charge, it doesn't really matter to you. It's funny because like no other industry would have groups of people going like, hey, what should I charge for this? Like no other business starts out having no idea that they're supposed yeah. to use those expenses and their costs and whatnot and like what they need to make and and taxes too yeah. accounting for paying like 20 to 30 percent of your gross revenue just right off the bat in taxes yeah every other business that anyone would start automatically like starts in that area and knows to include those yeah. things but just sadly so many photographers don't and it's it's sad to see it is sad to see so I love I love what you guys are doing and just really teaching everyone how to run their numbers, run their cost of business and figure things out. Because when you actually sit down and crunch your numbers, how heartbreaking it is that you have missed soccer games or birthday parties because you're out shooting a session for nothing. Yep. And it, it hurts. It hurts looking back because we only have so many, so many years with our littles, right? And you don't want to do it for free. So many of the years that I was shooting, I was just felt like a rat on a wheel just like yes. hustling because I was the breadwinner in my family. And so I just couldn't stop. And that I think for a lot of us causes anxiety and burnout. And I had a, a guest on our podcast a few weeks ago, Shauna Skidmore. I'm not sure if you know Shanna, but no, I don't. She's a finance girl. And she, she said, you know, we all need to know our enough number because when you know mm. how much you have to have, what's enough, that gives you so much peace of mind to rest or to take a break. But if you mm-hmm. don't know your number, then you just have to keep going. So I thought that was really good advice. That's that's really good advice. For me, I think my breaking point was probably 2019. And I had scheduled and booked 
87 holiday mini sessions over a four week period. And I was charging roughly around 500 per session. So, I mean, it sounds like it was profitable, right? This girl spent so much money on props, on sets, on backdrops that when I crunched my numbers, I came out with $5,000 and I was like, I worked that hard for five grand. And I actually found this out. I, I did my numbers on Christmas Eve day Oh, and no. I was just like, <sighs> so sad. You broken. should have waited. <laughs> <laughs> broken. But I was also the biggest gift because not only do I remember that is that I was like, I'm never doing this again. And like, this is only like four years ago that I had to learn this the hard way. And I was like, I'm never doing that to myself again. <laughs> But sometimes that's like how you have to learn the lesson is it has to get that painful for you to like make a change. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So my poor depressing story. <laughs> Don't we do all guys. have that story though. <laughs> no, right? we totally see that a lot. Or like somebody's partner will just be like fed up that their wife is working all the time. And not that, you know, as a wife, you shouldn't be working, yeah. but like if you're going to be working and you're going to be working hard and you're going to be working a lot, you should be making a lot of money. And so yeah. I can understand whether it's a husband or a wife, if you're gone all the time, working all the time and you're not bringing home a decent salary, mm -hmm. like any partner is going to be really what are mad. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Like my husband was not happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dear. So I think, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, and it's about paying ourselves. Like that is the missing ingredient that so many of us have forgotten to do. And we don't even realize that we should be paying ourselves a living wage. So what advice do you have about budgeting that into your pricing and working that into your pricing? So it's something that you're doing immediately. I think just when you're doing that cost of doing business, it's so easy to say that okay, all of my expenses are paid for. So like I'm not in the red. So technically my business is profitable. But if you're not planning at least to give yourself a salary that you could, wherever you live, live off of. And we, we were looking at something about low-income housing a few weeks ago and what salary qualifies based on where you are in your area, what salary you would have that qualifies you for low-income housing, like government-assisted housing. And some of them were like $30,000, $40,000, dollars a year. And so I think we aren't being 100% honest with ourselves even to say that, mm -hmm. okay, I want my business to be profitable. I've put in a $40,000 salary for myself. Like that sounds not terrible, right? Like after your expenses and whatnot. But turn around and say like, can you pay your mortgage? Can you buy the things yeah. you need? Can you buy groceries? Can you live more than just like paycheck to paycheck and actually like have a restful life where you feel secure on $40,000, like probably not anymore today in most places. Yeah. And so just being really honest anywhere. about that. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know where you could do it. I'm not saying you have to put in a salary to make a half a million dollars a year, but you have to be reasonable with yourself yeah. and really say that if you are going to work full time and spend all these hours in your business, you deserve to be paid like that. Like Allison said, you wouldn't go to any other job and work for not a reasonable salary. No. And especially if you don't, if you're in a position where you don't even have to make a salary, a lot of people will say, well, my partner makes enough to pay all of our bills and I don't really need to. But then like 
especially then you should even make it higher because like you don't need to work. And so for me, like if I didn't need my income, I'm certainly not leaving the house. We call it like putting your pants on, putting your bra on minimum. Like I'm not going to leave my kids and my dogs and my horse when I could be doing fun stuff with them for not a good amount of money. So even if you don't need the money to pay your bills, don't work for less than what you should need to pay your bills. Yeah. Then I think what often happens to photographers is that they run into this, either it's a mindset block or it's a belief that their clients will not pay them what they need to charge. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get around that with your students to show them that your clients will pay this or you need to find new clients and you will find new clients? How do you get around that? Another guest um, from the podcast, I spoke to this and I thought it was so great. She said, rarely are people able to shift their mindset on their own. And I think that's what's so great about the Motherhood Anthology community is that you kind of watch this pattern of people that are just starting out or that just join the group and they see the people that are successful, that are charging a sustainable price. And they're like, I could never charge that. And Mm -hmm before long, they get enough information and courage to, to implement some of the things in the group that they've learned. And then, you know, they share that post like, oh my gosh, you know, my largest sale to date. And Mm -hmm. it's just fun to see the mindset shift that comes from surrounding yourself from other people that are, that are doing it, you know, that are successful. Yeah. It's like, it's like that proof of possibility. And what I love, (laughs) it was so funny because I actually had this mindset too. I was like, okay, well, you know what? There is not another photographer in my city. It's a small city of maybe 80,000 people. Not another one charges more than $1,500 for a photography session, not a single one. And I was like, I don't think I can charge that. And then I found a boudoir photographer who is packed, packed. Rosalind is amazing. She's, her schedule's loaded and she's making mint, charging like three to $5,000 per session in my little city. So it's almost like you need to search out that proof of possibility of someone that is actually doing it in your own city to know that it it can happen for you too. And that those clients are there, right? Yeah. In that same episode, she said, you know, we, we all forget that most people are carrying around a thousand dollar phone in their pocket at all times. Right. Mm -hmm. People will find the money or people will save the money for something they really want. Yes. So we just have to be able to deliver an experience um, and a product that they really want. Yeah. 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 And I think we tell ourselves so many things that just aren't true. Like you were saying in your city, I was in a, not our, one of our groups, but a different group. Somebody was really like going back and forth with me about how like what I do is great and all that's nice and blah, blah, blah. But like, she could never charge that where she lives. Like never, like I'm like going on and on about how like, I'm insane to imply that that's even a possibility. And finally, I was like, okay, well, let me just see where you live. Like, let me click on your profile and like dig a little deeper. She lived 20 minutes away from me, literally 20 minutes from my front door to hers. Now, I live in a town maybe 30 minutes south of Nashville. So like it's not in the city, but like I market to Nashville. So I knew that like she lived 20 minutes away from that, which again is not in actually Nashville, but like you would market to Nashville. And I was like, you live 20 minutes away from me. If I can charge what I'm charging, 
there may be other reasons you can't do that or don't want to, but like it's not a location issue. Mm-mm. And that is rarely the issue. No, it's really. I love what you say about you'd rather compete with the one or two other people in, in your price bracket than the hundreds in the middle. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to be the highest. If I'm not one of those highest, I'm not happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much less competition. And it's totally. so, those middle people are just, you're competing on price. Yeah. And that's really hard. It's so much easier when you're in a higher price range. Completely. You know, what's funny is what happened to me is because I put my blinders on for years and I'd always been like, I'm the highest, I'm the most expensive. I'm the most expensive. I'm the best. I'm the most expensive. Just totally like sassy little ego. Right. And then one day I looked up, I was like, well, actually I, it's been a while. Like, I wonder what everyone else charges in my city. Like maybe I should maybe have a look. Right. I wasn't the most expensive. <laughs> I wasn't at all by a long shot. I was like, Lisa, raise your prices, girl. What is going on here? Like you talk about this, but you need to do this. Oh right? Right? Oh my gosh. Oi. <laughs> I heard someone say one time that you want to be the photographer that people want to save for. Like they, yes. you want them to say, when I have a baby one day, I'm going to use box photography or when I get married yeah. one day, like you want to be that one that's so special that if they mm. have to save, they'll save for you. Yeah. That's the consumer that I am. Like I don't buy everything, but the things that I love, I really love and I will save for what I really yeah. want, you know? Yeah, exactly. I love that. All right. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and I want to know what is the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? And we're going to start with Allison. Man, to raise my prices. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was, I mean, really, I started lower than this, but when I started really booking a lot of people, I was right at 350 for a session with yeah. all digital files. And that's when I knew. I was burnt out. I knew that I wanted to give like more of an experience and that I wanted to do better. And so I had the same money blocks as everybody else. I had no idea like where to even start, but I knew I wanted to do something different. And so the best advice was what I learned from Jenny and I took it and ran with it and went from, you know, 350 to I raised my prices, but like my first actual sale was like $1,800 overnight. And I almost choked whenever that happened and didn't look back. And now whenever I raise my prices back a little bit to what we were talking about, I raise them with the intentions of if something happened tomorrow and I was like the only person working, could I sustain my family? Yeah. And like Jenny broke her leg, you know, she had to be out for a while. Like, can her business float that? Last May, my husband decided to like quit his job. And so I am the breadwinner now. And because I approached that, not with the mindset of I don't deserve a salary, but with the mindset of I deserve a salary, it was no big deal. You know, we could afford to lose that good salary and just survive on this. So that was probably the best advice ever given was do your cost of doing business and actually <laughs> listen it. to the numbers because the numbers do not lie. Yeah. That's good advice. Jenny, how about you? This was hard. I was actually thinking about this all night last night. I think <laughs> 
my dad was like my biggest supporter when I first started my business and he passed away seven years ago, but he owned a small business like when I was little. So around the ages that my kids were when we lost him, he had me at that, that age when he had a small business. And he said, you know, I wish I had the strength and just like confidence to not let clients push me around and not let them ask for discounts and like feel like guilty for charging people money for doing a service or product, whatever it was. He was like, I'm just so proud that you were like charging like what you're charging and like your clients pay it. Like he was shocked that my clients were paying me what they did, but that allowed me to then, you know, give my parents money and help them out. And now that he's gone, like my mom lives with us and we pay for that. And so I'm just thankful that he like supported me and like encouraged Mm -hmm. me to not let clients really push you around and feel bad for taking their money. Yeah. I love that. And I'm sorry for your loss. (laughs) Thanks. Kim, how about you? So I think the best advice that I was ever given probably was from my dad. He told me one time that if I was working too much, my prices weren't high enough. I think I was complaining mm-hmm. about being tired or working all the time. And he's like, if you're working more than you want to work, your prices aren't high enough. And that always stuck with me. That, mm-hmm. But I think the, the piece of advice that if I've had any success, I think it goes back to when I was a kid that, and it was probably my mom. I, I showed horses as a kid. And she would always make me go to the judge after an event and ask, how could I be better? And that has always kind of followed me in my life. Like if I want to do something, not so much that I copy someone, but I look for who's doing what I want to do or who's doing something Mm -hmm. really well. And then I just try to either talk to them, ask questions, figure it out, you know, like ask them. And I think that's why I love the podcast so much because it's my excuse to get to pick people's brain, right? (laughs) People that you used to be that you could say, Hey, would you have coffee with me for an hour and let me pick your brain? And people are too busy for that now. And so, but if you ask them, Hey, would you hop on the podcast with me and let let me talk to you for a while? Sure. You know, people love to be on podcasts. And so I think just find someone that's doing what you want to do and Mm. talk to them. I love that. That's great advice. I love that. All right. We're ready for the lightning round. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're going to go Allison, Kim, and then Jenny. I'm going to have okay. you all respond. Okay. Okay. Like that. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. All day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Equal. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Most luxurious vacation you've ever been on? <sighs> I had a hard time with this one. Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. Luxury. Probably, I mean, probably St. Lucia. I don't know. Jackson Hole is probably the best vacation. Ooh, I want to go there. We're we're creatures of habit. We go to Rosemary Beach every year, and like that is, we make it luxury. <laughs> I love that. Uh, favorite TV show as a kid? You know, the first thing that popped into my head was Full House, so I'm going to go with that. I'm going to have to preface this and say I'm not this old, okay? But this is <laughs> this is my, still my favorite TV show, and I bet you guys have never heard of it. But it's the Waltons. Have you ever heard of the oh, Waltons? I remember that. Oh, yes. yes, I remember that. I've Does never you watched sound a it. <laughs> okay, Jenny, you just go watch it. It makes you feel good about life. It's that you can disconnect from the world, and all is well. And it's just my. 
my peaceful, I need a brain break. I love it. <laughs> is it. Is it like Little House on the Prairie? Sort of. Same sort era. Yes. Oh, I'd like that. Oh, I'd like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to go friends. Good one. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. Morning. Neither. I need like a solid 12 hours sleep. <laughs> don't wake me up too early and like, don't keep me up too late. <laughs> I love that. Go to karaoke jam. You're not going to catch me and Jenny doing karaoke. I would I never. I, I am <laughs> I the extroverted one. No, I am the extroverted one and I would never, ever do karaoke. I, I love it. Absolutely not. But I if I did, if I did, it would probably be Britney Spears. Love it. Love it. Okay. Song you sing in the shower or your car by yourself. <laughs> I don't um, listen to music in the car. It's the only place that it's quiet and no one talks to me. box. <laughs> It's the only silence I ever get. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I Well, everyone knows that I listen to a lot of music with a lot of bass, so you don't want to know what I listen to in the car. <laughs> it has a lot of four-letter words. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Let's see. What did you want to be when you grew up? I oh, was chef. a labor and delivery nurse. Hmm. Chef and – so. From the time I was 12, I wanted to be in the music industry on the business end. So I thought I would own a record label or be like an entertainment lawyer or something like that. I love that. You know what's so funny is my mom called me the other day. We were just having a conversation. She's like, do you remember like when you were five, what you used to tell me you wanted to be when you grew up? I was like, no. She's like, you were insistent that you were going to be a harp player. (laughs) What? So funny. I just wanted to play the harp. Do you know how to play the harp? No. <laughs> just like random. No, I was like insistent about it. Like I wanted a harp That's so bad. I asked her one for Christmas and I was like, really? Like no memory of this mom. Like hilarious. <laughs> nice. I love it. What's your dinner tonight? So fun thing, I'm going to a party. My friend is a food blogger and he is on <gasps> Guy's Grocery Games tonight. Uh, his name's Stacy Little Southern Bite. So he has a watch party tonight. So I'm going to his watch party. Not sure. Yeah. I don't know what's for dinner tonight. Where I'm going to go up to the pool after this. So probably like cheeseburgers or something really easy where we don't have to think about it. I love it. Jenny, how about you? I don't know either. That's our that's our 4:30 uh, decision. Whatever my right. husband decides to make or order in. <laughs> I know. I was just looking for ideas. <laughs> Same, same. I don't know. Take out. Okay. What makes your soul light up? Hmm. That's a good question. My kids, my family, gardening, travel, outdoors. Yeah. Definitely my kids. I feel like that's a given, though. These days, we have a new lake cabin, and so that's just my happy place. So peaceful, and there's something about just sitting in near the water that mm. brings a lot of peace to, I think, mm. the lake these days. I love that. Oh, so I was going to go business-wise, like moms and babies, like that mm. connection for me. Obviously, kids and yeah. my animals. Love that. So where can our listeners learn more from you, ladies? Definitely the Motherhood Anthology on Facebook. We have a free group um, besides our membership, our podcast, the Motherhood Anthology podcast. They can find me. I just recently 
created a kimbox.com, which kind of points to Printco and Film Lab and Motherhood Anthology and the podcast and all those things. So, yeah, the motherhoodanthology.com will lead you to everything and jennykrugerphotography.com for me. And yeah, yeah, lentilphotography.com for me and the Motherhood Anthology, of course. Love it. So I'd love to end my interviews just with this last question, and it is, what are you currently curious about or artistically curious about? And Jenny, we'll start with you. Oh, okay. That's so <laughs> hard. Um, okay. So <laughs> this is going to be so, so random, but we have a horse and my kids have a show coming up next month. And so I don't know if anybody knows anything about horses, but like their bridles that they wear when you ride, they have this brow band that goes across their forehead and usually like ours are just plain leather. Well, last week I got it in my head that I wanted to get like a sparkly one. Like they make one with like gemstones and things like that. So I'm scouring the internet for like the exact one I want because I'm a good shopper, but I'm like really picky. So I looked at everything from like $50 to like $500 for this piece of leather with gems on it. Nothing I loved. So then we spent hours, the kids and I, figuring out how to just make it ourselves. And probably 10 hours of my weekend last weekend was making this brow band, like hand sewing these gems on. And it was it was a project, but it was so creative and it was so fun and so different than like what I'm normally doing. Right. But that took all of my time. <laughs> it was fun though. So fun. Yeah. I love that. I love crafting. <laughs> Kim, how about you? So I'll say two things. One, the podcast, like podcasting is a whole new thing. It's a whole new world. It's been so much fun, but it's definitely been, there's been a bit of a learning curve. So that's actually been fun to do something (laughs) different. You know, it's been photography for so long. And then I'll say a little bit of a confession. So I've been the co-owner of Indie Film Lab for 10 years and I haven't shot a lot of film. You know, I shoot children and they move fast and I was kind of set in my ways. And so I never really made the swing. And so now that I don't have to shoot so much for my profession, I'm having a lot of fun with film personally. And so that's something that that's new in my life. A little, it's always been there, but that I'm enjoying more and more. I love that. And Allison, how about you? What are you currently curious about or artistically curious about? So not so much artistically, but moving to North Carolina from Houston, it is totally different here and you can actually like grow things and not everything dies. So I started a garden, a vegetable garden this year that sort of got, well, no pun intended, but squashed, a tree fell on it. So, and, and almost on me. So yes. (laughs) So I feel like that sort of stopped, but I started cut flowers last year whenever I first moved to North Carolina And those have like really taken off and they're just starting to bloom again. So really just being able to honestly put a boundary on my work. And Mm -hmm. when I'm here in North Carolina, obviously I still work every day with TMA and my business, but putting boundaries on those hours and then being able to get outside and do flowers and be in the garden and just play, remove myself from photography has been really nice. So growing new things this year and it's been fun. I love that. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank Thank you you for having us. So So good to see you again. So good to see you. (laughs) 
Oh, my beautiful friends, I hope you have loved this conversation just as much as I have. I am sending you so much of my light and my love today and every single day. We will see you next time. Hey, friend, you know what's the worst? It's just being mid-session and completely freezing. You start to feel awkward, your clients start looking at you for direction, and your brain feels like you just hit a wall. Now, believe me, you are not alone. And that's why we created the Storytellers Toolkit. It's an emotive prompt guide to help sessions stay free-flowing and fun. And best of all, right now, it's totally free. It's full of prompts for parents, motherhood, family, siblings, and couples, and even surefire smile prompts. We've put together over 200 prompts for you, so you'll never be at loss for an idea again. Grab your copy at themilkyway.ca slash toolkit.